Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is the Best Hang Podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Bierman. Welcome to the Best Hang Podcast. I'm Mike. We got Max. We got Shane. Fellas, what's going on? I'm ready for a hang. Maybe the best hang. You're in a good mood, Mike. What kind of energy? <laughs> yeah. Why are you in a... Not, nothing in particular. I'm just trying to bring a bit of uh, pep to the podcast. Well, sometimes I, f- I feel like the workaholics guys of This Is Important podcast, they, they, it feels like they do improv, like, warm-up exercises, like, mm. just to kind of get the... Uh, uh, Hey, they kind of like get the energy going. You guys have done improv classes before. Like, what are what are like the the ways you get your game face on when you're like gonna perform and tell stories and be entertaining? I don't know if I like that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners, Shane has his like hand in his head. He's I not think, looking at the oh, screen. The stupidest thing happened last night where Alex woke me up at. 2 a.m. saying that there might be a burglar in the house. Whoa. It's wow. weird. She's she has massive hearing problems, yet she always thinks she <laughs> hears noises downstairs and that someone's messing around. What are her hearing problems? She's just like her dad. Like her dad got a hearing aid very young, like in his like late okay. 30s. And he's, you know, he's comfortable with hearing aid, but Alex needs a hearing aid, but she refuses to get one because she's not <laughs> comfortable being this young and having hearing aid. She needs them. <laughs> But she hears noises a lot, too, and I don't know, feels sounds more than she even hears them, like vibrations, I guess, she's sensitive to. (laughs) And our house is an older house, and we live next door to people who are in their mid-20s to late-20s. And sometimes they come home, and they slam the door at 2.30 a.m. because they're Mm -hmm. maybe a little inebriated. And Alex always thinks that that sound means a burglar is rummaging through our shit downstairs. So normally she doesn't wake me up. She's just like, oh, I was so scared last night. But last night at like 2.30 in the morning, she wakes me up like this. Oh, my God, someone's in the house. 
And I'm like, ah, wow. ah. So I scream. And then I have to go under the bed and grab like this wrench thing. And I'm walking around the house preparing to like bash somebody on the head with a wrench. And I'm just like, I don't know. If you hit someone on the head with a wrench, do they actually like pass out and die? Am I going to get killed here? So my adrenaline's going so high. And then I would go around and then no one's in the house, of course. And I try to go back to bed, but I'm buzzing for the next four and a half to five hours. And I couldn't get back to sleep. She's like, and now that you have that wrench in your hand, we do have a leaky sink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the guy to go to for that, Mike. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and scene. You said you were going to do improv today. Sure. <laughs> uh, fuck improv. But yeah. So then she's snoring next to me after this scare and I'm just awake, like <laughs> resenting her. So I'm and I'm <laughs> ill. I'm not feeling well, as you know, Mike, I, I got a bug. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pissed yeah. right mm. now and I don't want to do improv exercises, but I will. Like, what, let's do some. Blah, blah, blah. Like, what do you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I, I have a similar story, actually, to that, uh, Shane. Is, um, Max was so, breaking into houses last night. I was breaking into houses last night. Just narrowly capture. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was... Um, I got a call because my place in Hamilton, I rent it out, right? And I have like just like a property manager that just kind of handles stuff because like I'm utterly useless. Like if mm -hmm. I could be more involved in overseeing, you know, a rental property or whatever, like maybe I'd do it. But honestly, I don't really care enough. But so anyway, I got I got a uh, and my neighbor is this guy, Dave, and he's like a very handy guy. So if anything like fucks up around the house, he goes over and fixes it. It's like a nice little system. Love Dave. Dave's great. So the, the tenants are moving out uh like a couple weeks ago and i guess like the house was like sort of empty or about to be empty and then these squatters like came into the house and we're wow. like this is this is my house now kind of thing <laughs> and uh and then dave had to kind of go over there and like shoo them away so you can't you can't stay in the house there's other people moving into the house and then i guess they ended up um later going around the side and breaking the the window in the like the basement window like to try to get into the basement or something so dave's telling me all this i'm like oh wow okay like uh is, what, what, what should we do he's like it's fine max i got this i'm like you got this and then i'm like he's like i got this i was like should we call the police or something to tell them that there's been like a break-in or something i don't know how these things work dave's like no they're not gonna do anything i got this i'm like okay if you say you got this then Works for me. Anyway, I get off the phone. Ash is overhearing the phone call. She's like, what the fuck is going on <laughs> in your house? There's squatters. There's people breaking your windows. Dave says he got sick. I was like, oh, should I call the police? And then she's like, probably. So then I called uh, the property manager, Krista. I was like, Krista, do you know about this? She's like, oh, I know about this. Dave says he got it. <laughs> <He has it. laughs> I was like, okay. I was like, and I was like, Chris, I don't know anything about anything. And I kind of frankly don't even really care. But sh should we like let the police know that this is a thing that's maybe happening in the neighborhood? And she's like, yeah, I suppose we should do that. So then I guess she called and they were, they were like, eh, there's nothing to worry about. And then so that's that. So I don't know if there's more to be done, but other than get the next tenants into the house. How long ago was this? It's like two, like a week ago. So when wow. Dave says okay. he, is Dave the type of guy, like when he says, I got this, is he like loading a shotgun and planning vigilante <laughs> justice? Or is he just saying it'll be fine? I think the latter. I don't think he's a shotgun. Okay. I think he's just like, he's a Hamilton guy, you know, he's like, tough he, guy though? He gets the rhythm. I think he could throw down if you needed to. He's gentle, very gentle soul. And he's lived in the neighborhood for like 30 years. So he kind of knows everybody, sort of like the dawn of the neighborhood. He kind of fixes everybody's stuff. Very kind of handsome. He's a, he's a fixer. 
He's a he's a fixer. But what does I got this but, mean though, if not vigilante justice? He beat the living shit out of those squads. That's what it means. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm no, thinking I think if you call very... the cops, they're gonna bust Dave mid beating. No, I, I think <laughs> it's so funny because I don't really know. I mean, we we had a neighbor who sort of had a similar situation where there was a woman. Anyway, it's very hard to get people out. Even I think in a squatting situation where they clearly broke in, like I don't know if the police can physically remove no. them. No, there's so many squatter rights. Alex crazy. had tenants before I even met her because uh, she owned a property with her brother. And there were squatters living there with like tons of cats for months and they could not mm. get them out. Were they Literal tenants months. though, like paying rent? No, they were squatters. Previously? They snuck in. Wow. Oh. And that's the thing. So maybe, maybe you need someone like Vigilante Dave to use like Vigilante Justice in a situation like that, because the police might just come and say, you need to leave. And maybe the squatters say, we're not leaving. And then yeah. you're at an impasse. I don't know. Then there's like a court date set, but they get to stay in the house for another two months until the court date. It's very tricky. Maybe they yeah. were tenants. They stopped paying rent. They were like drug people. Yeah. And then they were, like they we just leave wouldn't it. leave and they wouldn't pay yeah. rent. That's drug people for you though. You ever yes. throw a party with drug people? They also won't leave. <laughs> they, yes. It's like yeah. fucking three 30 in the morning. You're like, they I need to work house. in the morning. Yeah. Like, hey man, just one more song. And I'm like, all right, if I'm playing it, here's some wonder. Wall. <laughs> <laughs> the person's you. Yeah. <laughs> Music is my drug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could stay up all night if you're requesting the hit. It, it, you know what though? I gotta say, I got, I love Dave so much because Nothing is a problem. Like, you know, stuff could be like falling apart in the house or something. There's a leak or whatever. He, he's always just like, Max, I got this. No problem at all. <laughs> Have I ever met this nothing. guy? I, you might, he's probably around 60, early 60s, mustache, slick back, long hair. <laughs> um, I was not picturing that. Yeah. And, and he kind of looks like a movie character or something. He, he, he I think he's like uh, very handsome. And he's got this nice little voice, great smile, big blue eyes. And just like, he's, mm -hmm. and, but he's like seen a lot too. Like he's like, you know, he's You have so many friends, Max. You have the most friends of anyone <laughs> I've ever met in my life. Like so many lives you're living all at once. You are like everything, everywhere all at once, but friendship edition. I got to see that movie. I still haven't seen that movie. Um, but like yeah, I'll go to I, a basketball game and I'll see you and they'll be like, you'll be like singing. He's a jolly good fellow around like 13 people I've never seen before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I do have a lot of friends. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people want to be your friend because yeah, you're and you you so probably like, have trouble. Like, who's my real friend? Is it this slicked back mustachio Dave or is he using <laughs> me for my fame? <laughs> no, actually, I'm using Dave. Dave. Dave is like, I'm getting the the, the sweetheart deal here. 100%. Dave's doing all the shit for me that he doesn't need to do. That's the thing. In your position, people, I think people want to be your friend. Like they want to do nice things for you. And maybe Dave's just a good neighbor. Maybe he's helping out the guy on the other side too. Maybe that's Dave's natural disposition. But I think when you're like a famous sort of like, a good-natured person people are like oh i want to do things mm -hmm. for max you're sort of you're orbited by people that all just want to don't you find it convenient how just everybody in your life wants to help you out all the time yeah that, that's very true and, but the thing which is nice is i'm also in a position to help them so it's like they'll ask me for stuff and i'm happy to oblige so it's like can i get tickets to this can i get a shout out for my niece can i do this can, like can you come yes. over and we'll have dinner like, whatever it may be so it's like it's a nice it is a transaction but it's like friendships are transactions right any relationship is a transaction to a degree right so it feels it never feels like i'm being taken advantage of and also i'd say that i think it would be harder for a famous person 
who isn't typically social to get used to people being friendly to them. But like what I do now doesn't really feel that much different than my childhood or in high school or in university or meeting people. It's, It's always been this sort of like reciprocal, very social back and forth where it's like we're all kind of lending a hand where we can. So you're saying you've always been popular regardless of status. Uh, not popular. I think I've been friendly with lots of people. Mm -hmm. I should say popular is a weird term, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's, I've always had a version of this. (laughs) Yeah. And it's definitely elevated now for sure. And I'm aware of that, that like some people, some, I do sometimes have to go like to Ash or something like, is this person like actually nice or are they just being nice to me? And then sometimes we'll be like, oh, no, that person's a fucking dick. No one likes that fucking person. They're only being <laughs> nice to you, Max. And I go, huh, okay, cool. Good to know. Um, I had yeah. a shocking situation uh, the other day where I mentioned your name uh, mm. at for with Othership. I had a phone call with Othership. So oh. I was trying to like subtly. Othership is the is the uh, soaking spa. Cold, cold plunge yeah. spa where you go. What's it called when you're in heat? Not like a dog, like but like a oh oh <laughs> when you were horny. a sauna. It's a like sauna, a cold sauna, a sauna yeah. then a cold plunge. I, I thought you did mean like like horny. <laughs> no, in heat is a weird thing for me to say, but it was it applied here. Um, yeah. So I'm meeting with them, and I'm like trying to get a membership there for free or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like, I, I love other ship. Everyone I know knows about other ship. I was just mentioning it to my friend Max uh, from Arkells. And, and he bumped into Sean Mendez on the street and Sean was mentioning it. She's like, oh, yeah, Sean loves it here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But Max, you know, I'm friends with Max from Arkells. <laughs> She's like, sorry, I do not know who that is. And I was, no. I was shocked because she was young. So I couldn't believe it. So then you know, I felt weird. She's in a tank a lot of time. You know, she's spending 18 hours a day in a tank being cold. She's just not out there doing yeah. this. Yeah. I feel like it's either like you 100% know who our Kells are and think they're a big deal or you have no idea who we are. It's like there's not too much like in the middle territory, I find. Yeah. But uh, screw other ship. That's what I have to say to that. But I got yeah, the membership not, oh, and I can, so I can, I think I can take a friend if you ever want to try it out. Cuts to you there with Sean Mendez. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so are you, so is this your offer to take like Max and I and rotating visits at some point? Well, Max, yes. Mm. Want to be seen. I want to be seen. No. Uh, yes, of course, Mike, you can come. Mm. I don't want to go. I have no oh, Max is out. <laughs> well, you took that hard, eh? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't even want to go. Fuck that. I hate cold. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm out in solidarity with Max. Yeah, yeah thank you. I'm done. You, you guys would shame. love it. Max would love it. I feel like you're a big spa guy. I know you don't like cold, but I feel like you're a guy who likes a towel wrapped around you. And me? Yeah. You don't no, like I hate spas? That. I, I hate saunas. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because you were going for the other ship. You you tagged other ship in a post the other day. Now well, you seem vehemently against them. No. Well, I was only doing it so I could hook you up with with a thing. Oh, that was for me. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I was just doing Thoughtful the tank guy. Yeah. No wonder you're so popular. <laughs> what um, else been going on? What else has been happening? The Oscars what else is going on. The Oscars, the oh, Junos. Oh, congrats, oh, yes. Max! You won a Juno. This is the thing, you guys. You, I mean, you've you've won so many Junos that at this point it does feel like old hat, but it's not. It's it's mm. the biggest honor our country bestows. You know, uh, when it comes to the music industry, and you guys won Group of the Year. Once again, you look very cool. I saw the Insta story where it's like they announce you and you mm. kind of gave like a, like you, the way your head kind of tilted and you looked at, I'm guessing it was maybe Ash filming. I don't know who was filming. Oh, good. Oh, awesome. Yeah. 
I'm always, we're always a little sheepish about winning the Juno now because we've won so many. And I feel kind of like bad that, you know. Three years in a row. That is shocking. They have to be shaking in their boots for next year, though. What are they going to do? Like the rec well, laws not, are going to have to have one hell of a year to compete. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, yeah, it was cool. It was a crazy weekend, though, because we played a gig in Newfoundland. I put this in our Insta story, but basically we played a private gig for this tech company in Newfoundland on Friday night. Get off stage at 12.15 a.m., lobby call at 3.45. The only flights, all the flights getting off Newfoundland were canceled except for the one at 6 a.m. because nobody could land because there was a snowstorm the previous night. So basically, there was a bunch of us that had to get to the Junos. And uh, we we lobby call at 3.45, get on the plane, flies through Toronto, and then connected to Edmonton. But it was, the, the Junos can be kind of a stressful weekend for me because you're catching up with a lot of like friends and colleagues that you know and really like, but it's also like, you have to be like on, you know what I mean? Like you have Mm -hmm. to sort of like put on your game face and you're seeing like, you know, there's an executive there, there's a booking agent, there's another band. Everybody was on our fucking flight. And I was just like, I don't want to talk to literally anybody. So basically I ignored people for like the first, and also checking into the hotel in Edmonton. It's like ignoring you, ignoring you, ignoring you. I'm just going to put my head down and get there. And anyway, how do you, how do you, how, sorry, can I ask just for yeah. anyone that might find themselves in an ignoring situation, how mm-hmm. do you ignore? Do you look at your phone and put your headphones in so that it's like, do you walk by people? Do you just nod and keep it moving? Like what, what's, how do you do that? That it's not insulting. I think it's a bit of everything. I think it's, uh, you know, maybe sunglasses on a little bit. Yeah. Like when you're yeah. in your chair, like you're sleeping headphones in is is really good looking at your phone is good but then also if there's somebody who you can't um ignore you can also be honest and be like hey man just we had we got off stage last night like eight hours ago and flew through st john so i am a real piece of work right now i'll i'll be i'll check in with you shortly and then they understand so it's okay, okay. um that's good advice. but i have a question for you guys so we got on the plane the, the certain executives in the music community were all in first class and then a bunch mm-hmm. of the artists were like in the back and they were kind of like walking by ah. and i kind of made us like a a microcosm of life, baby. Why yeah, are they I walking by? Like, can't they wait no, for no, the washroom? No, no, I'm walking oh. by. So they're in their seats. You're not in first class. I'm not in first class. What? No, I don't. Fi- I don't fly first class. Wow, first class is expensive. People think we're like, you know, that I'm worth twenty million dollars. That's clear. That's not the case. And I don't sit first class. And wow, Max, you guys, you guys hold the record for most group of the year wins at the Junos. That is a fact. That is a true fact. Yeah. So I think it's only reasonable to think you should be sitting first class, man. And congrats on the record, by uh, the way. That's oh, a Juno's you. fucking record. I know, but you know, it's it's a five person business. We're all spending the money five ways. There's a lot of employees <laughs> around. You know, it's like it's it's not like the Junos give you a million dollars when you like win the group of so the year. So they don't you know? Junos don't fly you out. No, everyone's just paying for their, their way out there. Wow. That's but, the way it works. But the executives work, are just paying for it too. They're not getting comp seats. Yeah, I mean, they probably fly enough that they have like frequent flyer status. So they get but yeah. but I was thinking, I was like, if I was an executive and I knew I was gonna be on a plane with a bunch of musicians, would I, you know, take one for the team and sit in the back? Just because in like solidarity with all the poor musicians that are making their way out to I think people love. And yeah. I and I think that it would be interesting if you decided to pivot that way and then at next year's Juno's you win executive of the year. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> yeah. I'd like that. They um, might not have that award. That just might be an NBA award. Or do you think there's some people that think, why is this executive in like the back row. It's like, if he he's an executive job, it must be bad his job. It's like, I want, I want to see my executive in the front row. It's actually a bad look for an executive to not be riding first class. What do you, what do you, what do you think the politics are there when it comes to like executives, like showing off in, in general, not just in music, but 
if I'm a rock star, I look at the executives kind of as like mom and dad. So I don't really yeah. like partying with mom and dad because I might, you know, want to be like opening a bottle of Jack and like chugging it <laughs> for the Junos, right? That's what rock stars do. But if they might be looking at me and shaking their head. So it depends how cool the executive is. But that, that is a good point. Why is the yeah, unless the executive is so successful that it's obvious they're doing kind of a a nice gesture. It might mm. be better for them if they're kind of mid-level where no one knows how successful they are to have that illusion of success by being. A you know what I would do? You, you know what I would do? This is what I would do. And, and you know, this will be on the record. So when I eventually get to this place, people will know what I'm up to. I would sneakily give it to some musician who I know is on my flight, but sitting in the back. And I'd say, hey, man, I want you to sit first class. I'd say it to him very privately knowing that the musician is going to tell everybody about how nice I was. <laughs> you still got to play politics though. So yeah. let's say an executive did that with, with your band. They got to offer to you or is it weird if they offer no, to me? No, let's say there's a singer-songwriter. You can't do it with okay. a band. Yeah. That's, okay, so so gotcha. let's say there's some singer-songwriter on the plane. I'm an executive and I go, hey man, you take first class. This is a big big weekend for you. I'd love to sit in the back. You you take it. And then that, then that singer-songwriter like tweets, oh my God, I don't want to make a big thing of this, but... So Max so was a creep me. with me Max. on the flight, tried offering me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that, that might be a piece, of, a piece of strategy. Favors are are hard, though, because anything you give to somebody, then other people get resentful. feels like you're playing mm. favorites. People wonder your intentions, why you're doing it. It's hard. That's true. That is true. It's so tricky. No matter what you do, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. There's no yeah, right you answer. You want to do something, though. You want to do something, though. I know Unless even you doing do nothing is something. That's the problem. Everything is something, <laughs> even nothing. It's like he did nothing. He did that? Fuck him. <laughs> that's a good that's a good stand-up bit. I like yeah. that. Um speaking of the Junos, guys, did you see the Avril Levine presentation? Oh yeah. Only what was put in the group. Do you hear what Shane said about Avril Levine's presentation? <laughs> <laughs> so for listeners who didn't see the Junos or maybe you're a, a listener in Europe or in America and you haven't seen our major national award show, but while Avril was presenting an award, uh, a protester streaked the stage with, uh, with no shirt on, some breasts were out. Um, and I think uh, they were protesting the, what, the green belt? Is that what that thing is? It was like, a, they wanted to save the green belt. That's the thing in, in, in Toronto, right? That Ford kind of sold off to all of his Yeah, cronies. there's some real estate issue around. Basically, yeah, there's about indigenous in rights, in like, correct? Is it? I think it's the stretch oh. of greenery in, in North Toronto that everyone loves and it's supposed to be protected. Oh. People, rich people have wanted to develop it for years. And then Ford was like, oh, we'll never touch that. It's a longstanding Toronto position. I, I could have this wrong. This is the way I understand it. And then basically sold off pieces of the green belt to his cronies and people that basically donate to his party and all this stuff. So people are <laughs> angry. This is what the woman with the breasts out was protesting. Presumably I only read like a fucking snippet. I maybe not the best person to bring the her, news here. Her fatal flaw in doing that was doing it when another woman was on stage because another woman has so much rights to just be like, get the fuck off stage, bitch. And starts <laughs> flicking her nipples. Like a man would never be able to do that. So if you're the protester, be like, okay, I'm going to go up when Max is on stage. Cause Max isn't going to call me a bitch. Max isn't going to touch me, push me up and bully me. Avril doesn't He's give, gonna a, give me a shit seat on the plane. Yeah. yeah exactly. uh, Max, you must've put yourself in Avril's position mm. there. So what do you do? 
first of all, actually, before we get there, what do we think of that sort of protest? It kind of feels like, to me, the best type of protest. It's harmless. It's disruptive. I know a lot of people put work into the Junos and all that stuff, but none of this is that big of a deal. And I kind of like, I dig, if that is what she was protesting, I kind of dig it. So I'm like, you know. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I think it's cool. I think um, it, it's a moment in the show that people will talk about. Anything that's like off script is good. Like the Will Smith slap is good. The Moonlight being uh, awarded bit, best yeah. picture. Yeah, it's a, it's a great fit. So yeah, and I, and I think I think we all generally like streakers. Like we all like streakers, right? Like at a sports game when someone like runs across a baseball field naked. Of course. Like if it happened if it happened every day, it would be annoying. But it happens. It seems to happen just the right amount of frequency <laughs> yeah, that it's like enjoyable. You know what I mean? Any more, any less wouldn't be good. Yeah. Anytime happens, I'm like, just about to forget that a streaker exists, a streaker will start doing something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true i haven't thought about streakers or an act like that in a long time mm -hmm. and then and then it happened don't we have a we have a friend from high school that's done this at the rogers center at the dome really Ew. we do we do i'm 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 blanking i think it's somebody that's buddies with uh really somebody streaked the 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 dome like I'm, we're going back 15 20 years but somebody did it my brother well, have remember you, have you guys ever been uh like sitting you know had good seats at a baseball game and just like thought what would it be like to just run across a field like have you guys yes. ever crossed your mind all the time <laughs> every time i'm at a game I, I wonder how long it would take before they caught me because i'd like to think that i'm yeah. pretty crafty but i'm yeah, not what would that be your fast strategy yeah like like wh where would you go would there be a funny bit because it's always funny when the streaker has great like physical comedy yes. skills <laughs> and is like deacon out the security guard and is like choosing to do a somersault just for fun like you know and, and or giving somebody a high five or something like a player or sliding into second base like if, if it's just pure comedy it, that's when i enjoy it the most i think what would you do shane in your mind i think i would do a lot of like right before they tackle me i'm like no 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 look who is that and then they turn around and then i, I keep trying to do that <laughs> trick yeah. running the bases of course you have to do that what if what if to start the baseball season we put you in an outfit that says the dessert on crave <laughs> and you run out onto the field how much trouble do you think that the production would get in because you know any press is good press in my it's a great idea you're not nude you can mm -hmm. you can wear like a jumpsuit that all says the dessert uh, mm -hmm. coming to crave what if it was referencing one of the skits like you'd really hard nipples because there's a skit where you have really hard nipples That's Shane. yeah and, and and then and then it's maybe it's hard nipple awareness week and that's what you're streaking for <laughs> like it's the back of your shirt it says it's like uh, reaching out to all those with hard nipples, call this 1-800 number, and then you're running around the field. What if we hired someone who wasn't me to do it and acted mm, like we didn't good. like this? Like, yeah, we don't, goodness. we don't condone this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's nothing funny about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that's would good. Be good. Maybe that's the marketing angle for the show is we just get like a lot of stunts to happen and we keep condemning We disavow it. immediately. We, <laughs> we always, always condemn Oh, it's happened again. Oh, I can't no. believe this. Because <laughs> there'd be no way to prove it. We just get burner phones, contact people through that. Paying cash. Yes. Okay, what if, because I wrote the, the theme song for the show, what if somebody else, another artist that is like new up and coming artist, puts out a song, we give them the song, mm -hmm. Elephant, that, but it's like, it's, it's something else, it's, uh, but like just slightly changed. And we then we them. put out Elephant mm -hmm. and they sue us. Oh, mm -hmm. I like it for copyright you know I mean? infringement, but That's it's all okay. fake. It's all, fake. it's all yeah. fake. Yeah, so it's like, this is all good. I can just see that on the, on the ticker on CB24, Max Kerman. Uh, who wrote the, the the song to the hit sketch comedy show on Crave, The Dessert, is now being sued. By Valley. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll get Valley to do it. We'll get yeah. Valley to do it. It's like Valley sues Max Kerman what would for be ele- theme song. What would, what would be another word for elephant that kind of like would work? Oh, uh, woolly mammoth, they could call it? Yeah, elephant. It, mammoth. Mammoth. Mastodon. Elephant. Elephant. There's an elephant. Uh, there's Ellie, a, elephant. There's elephant. Maybe it's uh, Timothy Elephant. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, the song is just about Timothy Oliphant. Timothy yeah. Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant. Tim Oliphant. Yeah, Tim Oliphant. Tim Oliphant. Yeah, like he's coming soon. Yeah, that'd be good. And then we get and then we get sued by Valley. That'd be interesting. I like it. No, that's good. This is good. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, I'm circling it back. Don't think I forgot. Max, you're on stage. You're presenting an award. Oh, yeah. And uh, a nude woman jumps on with some writing on her for a protest. What is your, do you have a quip? Do you do you try to figure out what she's doing? Do you bring her on the mic? What you do? I think I think in I think it would be very jarring because even if I w- agreed with the cause, it would be too hard in real time to figure out what the cause was, what she was saying. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, reading. Yeah. And also it's like, I don't want to be accused of like reading her naked body. You know, I don't want to be like looking her up and down. You know, I can't be doing that. So, I was only trying to read it. I was only trying to read the cause. <laughs> Max loves literature. Yeah. And why did you pull out glasses and go, that one, that one, that one. <laughs> I was just trying to read. So I, I think what, <laughs> so what I would do is I, I know what camera is filming me. So I'd say, Hey, Mr. Cameraman, let's go for a walk around the arena. And I'd walk down the stairs and I'd do the rest of the speech in motion. On the like move. It, on the move. Yeah, I think that's With no I teleprompter. Do. With no teleprompter, but I, that'd be uh, fine. Okay. If it was a man, you could be like, ah, mm. I hate this dick. Because <laughs> he's naked and he's showing his dick. There we go. What, what would you guys do? I just told you. Okay, like, yeah. With a woman, it'd be way <laughs> trickier. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I would be, uh, I'd just be light. Like, Avril obviously has like a vibe and, you know, she's like, get off the stage, bitch or whatever. 
I, 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 I would be more amused by the thing. And I know that Avril's tone was kind of amused, but like the wording seemed a little harsh. And obviously she did end up, I think, flicking the woman's breasts or whatever. But I think I would just be like, all right, like now it's a party. Something like very yeah. like jovial and like, it's like this wasn't supposed to happen until the second hour of the show or something like, mm-hmm. but it would have been more entertained by the moment than like nervous or scared or offended. You know what I mean? Just more like, all right, it's that kind of party. Let's yeah, we are now trending, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shit like that. That's that would have been my play. Yeah, that that would be hard to be the security guard too, because if you're just like the one security guard assigned to the stage, mm. and you're just like a a big dude. Yeah, like if she if she like didn't just walk off the stage, like yeah, I don't know, like how you physically like remove somebody in that you situation. Gotta, you got to bear hug, lift, and just walk. And if they if they she starts going insane, it's just that's why they're trained though, Max. These security yeah, people are trained. That is true. They know what they're doing. That's like our friend uh, <laughs> back in our younger days, our buddy, whenever he would like at the end of the night, when he was sort of done with the bar. Sometimes he just do something to get bounced from the bar. But he always did this thing where the minute the bouncer would come, he would go completely limp because it's hard to like move like a dead body. <laughs> so he would just <laughs> go so limp so that the guy couldn't bring him out. But it was like. It was a bit. He he did a handful of yeah, times. Yeah, it's like when you have a kid and they don't want to go to bed, and you try to pick them up, they go yeah. limp. It, it's very yeah. effective. It's very hard. Even <laughs> like is. my two year old, it's hard to pick her up when she just goes limp like that. That's funny. Uh, what did you guys think of the Oscars? Yeah, it was a show. Man, what, I do I have any fine. thoughts? I feel like I don't have many thoughts on it. The, the what was the what was controversial? The in memoriam. They didn't. Uh, the woman you had a crush on from trying to oh, sadness wasn't sadness. featured. So that was that's weird. A little or shocking given her age or Paul Servino. Me, me, um, uh, Mina, Mina, or Mia Servino? I can't remember her name. Mina, Mina was a, was a pretty big star in the '90s. Like she actually had a run where she was in a bunch of movies. But anyway, that's his Mira. daughter, Mira Mira's, Servina. Thank Mira, you, Mira. Yeah, and I think nominated for an Oscar. Didn't she get nominated for? Might have been a Woody Allen movie, which I'm talking about. But anyway, Mira, Mighty Aphrodite. I'm pretty positive she was mm. nominated for that. Anyway, that's a deep pull. Uh, she wrote a, like sort of a, a thing blasting the Academy for not including Paul Servino, who's like you know, an acting veteran was in Goodfellas. Ray Liotta obviously was in the in memoriam, but Paul Servino wasn't, which does feel a little weird how they choose those things. Yeah. Why do they even do the behind the scenes execs if for, t- I know for TV, I thought they're trying to be the people that the audience has a relationship with and we can all, you know, kind of mourn together or whatever it is, and then put the executives on the, the website or whatever. And there was a, uh, who's the woman she, Died in the car accident, uh, Anne Heche. She Anne Heche, yeah. yeah. Uh, she wasn't. She was left off as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, weird. Huh. I like that. That's the one that affected you. <laughs> it's like you draw the line at Anne Heche. <laughs> Max no, Anne Heche. Super I, I think I just went immediately to like, what? What did Ellen do about this? Was she mm. pro or against? Because I've heard, you know, Ellen has a reputation of being a little surly. So I don't know. Well, Anne was talking shit about her too mm-hmm. about Ellen. Yes. Mm. Imagine if that was the common denominator. It turned out that also Paul Sorvino would talk shit about Ellen and also the woman from Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> Could it's be. like anyone that got, got bounced had crossed Ellen at some point. Um, what else was yeah, notable? I don't know. Well, how, let's just talk about In Memoriam for a minute because it's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. They need to, if I was running In Memoriam or they brought me in to produce or wanted my suggestions, I would say this. We can have an artist perform. If you want to have Lenny Kravitz or whoever the fuck sit there and play like a somber song and we show the clips of the people, that's fine. But two things are going to happen. It's like, let's cut the audience. I don't want to hear one person get clapped for and then someone else have an awkward silence. Mm, yeah. It's like, and honestly, I'd probably cut the live performance. I would just run it in like the room maybe, but it's mostly for the people at home and you just pick a great track and, uh, or maybe it's, it's shot off site 
like the performance takes place in the lot. So you don't have to hear the crowd. You can still have the performance mm. and then you just run it. And to Shane's point, just actors, just people that the public knows. And then you send people to that page. They talk, they, they showed at the, the end of this thing where they're like, go to www.whatever <laughs> to see other For people. More death forgot. notices, go to yeah, w- like, <laughs> sponsored by, presented by Red Bull. Yeah. Yeah. The Obit yeah. page. Yeah, exactly. They do have wings now. Uh, the people that are passing. <laughs> That's but, good. So it's like, well, some of them, I mean, listen, we know some Hollywood people wouldn't get their wings. I like I how that, that shocked like, Max. <laughs> too that man yeah. uh, too I was just impressed by the, the pop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I just think that they can fix it and it feels like such low-hanging fruit. And every year people are offended and every year it's uncomfortable and every year it's like awkward. It's like, why are we focused on Lenny's face for the performance and not just the slideshow with Olivia Newton-John? What song like, did he do? I didn't even watch it. I actually I think- I, I want I, I to know. get away. <laughs> <laughs> One hit. I going to go my way. Yeah. <laughs> Something so inappropriate. When you see Lenny, do you Google how old he is every time? Fuck, he looks great. I don't know. I don't. You didn't Google him? No, I should, we should guess though. I actually don't, I could guess in a roundabout way, just knowing when he became famous. Every um, time I cool. see him, I have to Google his age. He's got like a 30 year old daughter. Who's obviously very famous. Uh, 57. I'm going to say, I was going to say Lenny's sorry. over 60 years old. Lenny's over 60. He's got to be at this no, point. He's 59. Ooh, dang. Yeah. Crazy guys. What would you do? Have you thought about what your photo would be? Uh, if, if you were in memorial, I never know how to memorium. say memorial, memorial, memorialized. Memorialized. Yeah. What, what would you, uh, what era? Let, let's say, let's assume you died like over the age of 75. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like you guys died tomorrow, but what, what, what age would you want? Would you like an older, handsome version of you or just like when you're 19 or something or right now? I, I'd probably be now. I feel good now. And I feel like it's going to go downhill real quick. Um, like, I feel like the younger stuff. Danica really- loves hearing that shit. <laughs> she made her choices. Uh, I think, I think it's now if it's the right photo, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 If it's the right angle, I get that. Yeah. What about you, Shaney? 30, 30. Nice. Interesting. That was like your sweet spot in your mind. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I came across, I was going through a hard drive and I found a video of me when I was 30. I was mesmerized. It's like, I didn't know I ever looked this good. I couldn't believe it. I watched it like a hundred times in a row. <laughs> you were in heat though, like a sauna. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Max? Uh, oh, good question. Yeah, 2017. I feel like in, I sometimes I see photos from me in 2017 and I feel like that was my peak. Oh man. Now you guys got know. me thinking. And Danica did say to me the other day, she found some old photo of us and she was like, Whew. I was like, what? She's like, we were looking pretty fresh. Which obviously mm. the location yeah, is we, we no longer look fresh. <laughs> we looked good then. <laughs> yeah, it was certainly about me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not now. I think Maybe I should get something. From the one. key is being single, I think, for a lot of people like looking their best because you do yeah. put so much effort into the way you present yourself to the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, True. like 30 was my big single year. And that's yeah. when I was really going for it. Max, would you use a press photo or a candid? I think a candid one. I think, yeah. yeah, if it's too calculated, you don't want that. Uh, the Junos did a good job with, with the, that segment at the, at the dinner. Um, the Sadies, who are like a beloved, like kind of alt country band uh, featuring two brothers. One of them passed away this year. And so, oh, no. he, so he played like a heart attack. And Jesus. they're a very beloved uh, group. And they, they're, they've, they're probably like in their 50s, right? Um, and Cor Blund, who is a um, Albertan 
country artists. Like they did a song together, but with with the Sadies as his backup band. So and it was kind of like an upbeat, not upbeat, but like a mid-tempo country rocker of a song of another uh, musician who had passed away. So it was, it was a little different because normally it's like they really try to pull at your heartstrings with the mm-hmm. song. And this was a little bit more optimistic, which I kind of liked. I thought it was, thought it was kind of cool. Did you get Misty? Uh, I got a little Misty looking at one of the good brothers, you know, on stage, yeah. you know, singing this song kind of to his brother, which I thought was very, was very, very powerful. Real. Yeah. yeah. The Hugh Grant uh, controversy is another Oscar thing to talk about. No, what happened? I like it. You don't know? Hugh Grant was mildly rude to a person on the red carpet. Oh, yeah. I wasn't really following the group chat. What happened? I don't really care, but I don't think. Okay. Well, that's not the best way to uh, receive a topic, Max. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think I cared in the group chat, but I care now. I'm more okay. interested in you to tell me so, about it. Hugh is pulled aside and asked a bunch of inane questions on the red carpet. Uh, he was... And he was mildly rude to a presenter who is just kind of, you know, having to ask, like, what are you wearing? Uh, How did it feel to be in Glass Onion? And he only had like a three second part. And he was like, I was only in the movie for three seconds. She's like, oh, but you had fun, right? And he's like, well, not really, whatever. And he then was like, (laughs) "Okay." And then she ended the interview early and he kind of shrugged his shoulders and was like, what the fuck was that? And walked off. And then the trending thing was Hugh Grant is an asshole. A lot of people, uh. I think, had empathy. For, I think Ashley Green was the interviewer. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like sort of like a you know honor personality model, uh, whatever. And I thought she like it was interesting because I think a lot of people felt empathy for her. Like, oh, like if you don't want to be there, Hugh Grant, don't do the red carpet sort of deal, right? Other people that were like, I love that Hugh's no bullshit and he's all about it. And he'd made the, the Vanity Fair remark, meaning like the, the piece of the literature, not like the the party thrown by Vanity Fair. No, he was using the expression Vanity Fair, right? Which is, is all that like, what it was? Yeah. I, I've so, only seen the, like a bit. So of she's like, how does it feel to be at the Oscars? And he made like some remark of like, oh, you know, it's, it's all Vanity Fair, which means it's just like a frivolous event where you kind of just like are, are presented around like show dogs or whatever. And she's like, oh, the Vanity Fair party. That's why we're all here to let loose a little bit later. And he's like, huh? And he just looked at her. Like, that's what you thought I meant. Mm. And so that was kind of where it turned a bit. And then he, he, his eyes, like he deflated a little bit and then started treating her like shit, which Mm. you're not on really equal ground in those interviews because regardless of how she feels about Hugh or how, how mean she wanted to get to him, she's on the clock and he's not. So he can be rude and cool and, you know, have all these quips. And she just has to be like, Oh, Oh, okay what are you wearing and back home she's probably like what a fucking asshole and has a million retorts to his bullshit so it's it's just there's an unwritten rule when you partake in those interviews i'm gonna entertain all these like frivolous stupid questions because the interview has the interviewer has no time to prepare and we're gonna have this total bullshit conversation for two minutes and then move on she handled it great like she kind of she recognized what was happening very quickly oh she was look up. at her zoom in on her face when when yeah. Hugh starts turning she's like pure evil at him even though she her her <laughs> mouth is presenting nice her eyes <laughs> yeah. are so evil towards him she totally understood the dynamic he's being condescending he's this this it's not gonna work and she wrapped the interview quick but it is like kind of the perfect sort of fake controversy because everyone can have an opinion you know but it is interesting like this day and age like i feel like if this had even happened 10 or 15 years ago everybody's more on hugh's side but i think now we just have so much more empathy 
for the interviewer, understanding the power mm-hmm. dynamic. And this kind of manifested too with like if you watch if you watch Letterman with Paris Hilton um, yeah. years ago, it is aged so fucking poorly for Letterman, where it's just like it was just different back then. It's like I'm gonna score at the expense of this reality star who I, David Letterman, do not respect, and I know my audience doesn't respect. And so let's just bring her out and sort of like kind of be mean. And I just think that we've gotten to a point now where this like one, there's not a delineation anymore really with like, I mean, there is a hierarchy within sort of fame and all this stuff, but as far as entertainment goes, like a lot of those walls have been broken down. A reality star is a star, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it's just interesting that I think people don't immediately take a celeb side anymore. They far more take, and Ashley Green is a celebrity, but it's just like, like you said, Shane, I think she was on the clock. We recognize the job and all of that stuff, but it's interesting to see the, uh, the argument because Hugh Grant still does have his supporters. If you kind of want to go well, through fucking well there was this whole idea too that she's a bad interviewer she's asking stupid yeah. questions it's like yeah. what what's the expectation here that she's going to have for every celebrity that shows up she's going to do her research watch every little tidbit on them read the brief and then have questions for celebrities that are shooting them down and saying no every two seconds to snag one of those interviews it's very hard you're waving them down you're talking to the publicist you're being rushed off all you have are your three generic questions that you ask everybody. What are you wearing? Who are you rooting for this year at the Oscars? And how does it feel to be involved in insert the one film you can name off the top of their head that they're involved with? That's all you got, because otherwise you're just wasting your time if you do any preparation at all. So people who are saying that stuff don't really even understand the business at all. Yeah. But Hugh totally redeemed himself on stage comparing himself to a nutsack and i <laughs> During the show. Like, it doesn't take a lot to win me over i'm like how could you i'll never forgive you and then i'm laughing at the nutsack comment yeah the bit was you were saying it's uh, annie mcdowell's got perfect skin and she's aged so gracefully and Hugh looks like uh, his face looks like a scrotum that's yes. it because he doesn't moisturize or whatever and it was um, the only bit on um presenter bit that actually made me laugh so i have to give mm, yeah. hugh credit for that hey man and it's a self-deprecating joke he came off like a pompous asshole and then he's saying he looks terrible and is aging like a nightmare so kind of evened yeah. him out a little bit max you've been quiet where do you land on the controversy um yeah i i, I think you expect more from hugh grant is all is that like he his whole persona was just being like a charming british guy so it's like for him to be a jerk you know it's like oh, you can just don't do that you have to go down the rabbit hole of hugh he is hilarious uh on how mean he can be uh to, <laughs> to paparazzi he will attack you he'll kick you in the nuts he'll uh he, do, he does these awesome sneak attacks where he acts like he's just walking very close to the paparazzi like dum 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 and then he guns at you and takes a swipe He'll knock your camera down, push you. He walked up to one paparazzi and he's like, I'm going to fucking fucking kill you. I'm going to fucking kill you. You're a piece of shit. Get a job. And he gets right in their ear and then he kicks him in the nuts. It is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And the noise the paparazzi makes. It's hilarious. Have you seen this, Mike? I haven't seen it. I didn't. I didn't know that he was this like menace to paparazzi's. I, I, him and Alec Baldwin are the two number one paparazzi rabbit holes to go down, and both used to have the reputation of being really nice guys because people in the public only see them when they're being charming. Well, Hugh's like super villain origin story must be, you know, Hugh famously or infamously in the early nineties uh, was caught with a prostitute. Mm-hmm. He was arrested in like downtown L.A. He was dating the very famous model and actress, Elizabeth Hurley. They were like a golden couple out of the UK and they'd broken 
it through over here because of that four weddings and a funeral movies. He was a huge star, had everything ostensibly. And then one night, I guess, got a little horny in downtown LA while the missus was out of town and he picked up a prostitute and he got caught. And then, so it was like huge fall from grace. He became tabloid fodder, all this stuff. But he kind of was like, I think the very first test case of how to own a controversy mm. and just ask for like um, forgiveness, contrition. He went on Jay Leno and this was actually, now we're going into deep history. Letterman defects from NBC. He gets a show on CBS because he doesn't get to take over from Johnny Carson. Letterman was supposed to be the guy that would take over for Carson. Carson retires through a bunch of crazy like um, Machiavellian tactics. Uh, Leno's evil manager uh, gets Leno that job. Letterman's pissed. He jumps ship. He goes over to CBS. Everyone at NBC is panicked because they're like, oh, Leonard, Letterman is winning in the ratings. He's beating Jay. You know, everybody's going with Letterman. Leno secures Hugh Grant's first sit-down interview after being busted with the prostitute. Mm. That So everybody watches that show. Hugh comes on. He kind of does his, oh, um, uh, you know, puppy dog thing where everybody finds him charming. And he's like, eh, you know, it's not ideal. I screwed up and I'm sorry. And handled it in a way where everyone's like, ah, he ain't so bad. And we all moved on. And Leno literally never lost to Letterman in the ratings again from that night. Yeah. His famous oh, wow, line really? was, what were you thinking? Right. That was Leno. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What were you thinking? So it's like he comes out, the applause, he sits down, the tension, and then Leno hits him with the line. And then Leno never relinquished in the ratings wars. That's uh, a good line. But Hell maybe maybe Hugh Grant's disdain for paparazzi is because he was so battered around and sort of, you know whatever he went through the ringer with that whole controversy after being a golden boy and i must also say uh correction from uh manager ash i've been saying ashley green it's ashley graham i think ashley mm. green was in the, the twilight movies. yes that's her that's why i was confused i was like she looks so yeah. different now okay <laughs> ashley graham ashley graham ah anyway that's our Austin oscars what were you gonna say maxi i could see you okay, let's wrap something. this up with um speaking of uh celeb interviews um, mm -hmm. there was an interview with Ben Affleck in Matt, uh, cause he has a new production company with Matt Damon. Totally. He, yeah, he's, uh, I was sending that article around. Did you read the whole piece? The Hollywood reporter piece? I, I have not read it. I'm about to, I'm excited. You're going to fucking love it. You're going to love it. It's so okay. good, but he's essentially promoting air. He directed this movie called air, which is all about uh, how Nike secured Michael Jordan in the mid eighties, uh, and then became the number one selling shoe and shoe company, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I guess it's the story of that time trying to secure MJ. And then it's like through his mom, I guess. Anyway. Uh, but the reason Ben is doing the press is because one, he does have a new production company and the idea is all of the key creatives and crew get equity or get like a return, like percentage points on if the movie does well. And he really articulates like, you know, I was in Gili and I made all this money and everybody else got flattened. They got crushed. It's like, it didn't feel like sort of an equitable risk. Mm. And he's like, so if a movie does really well, He's like these people, the assistant director, he's like the, all these people that are, that are involved, they all have a creative stake, the DP. It's like even the crew. So then they were basically talking about how if a movie does gangbusters and air is coming out in theaters, it's like these crew people, they will make more than any other crew person on this job, like by multiples, I think was his mm. quote exactly, you know, and it's an interesting theory. And then the person, I thought the interview was great too. Cause they're like, okay, well, what if a movie bombs? He's like, then they'll, they'll make scale. Like for those people, it's not like they have to pay money or lose money. It's like they just are at scale. But if a movie kills it, they go through the roof. And so if, you know, if air makes $200 million, you know, 
the, the, the crew on set's going to be very happy about these sort of residual checks I guess they're getting as like a percentage back end. This is the idea of the company he started with Matt Damon anyway that he talks about in this interview amongst so many other things, showing the, the air film to P.T. Anderson. Uh, he's, he's just, he's talking about directing and like basically how to get a movie made and producing and theater versus streaming. It's just, he's, he's so fascinating and insightful in this interview. I can't recommend it enough. Hollywood Reporter. Ben. And yeah, you talk you know, how he um, met up with Jordan to ask for his blessing and yes. the casting. But I was thinking, I couldn't help but think at that moment, if Jordan says no, would he actually not make the movie? Everything goes down the drain. Nah, he said, he, that's what Ben said. Ben said if, if MJ didn't, because he's, cause of course, because he said yes, love. though. I know. Otherwise, it's going to be an uncomfortable press tour. But Ben gets to now tell the story about how he goes to the golf course with MJ. And he's like, He's like, I've played cards with Michael a few times. He goes, and I know people who know him, but it's like, it's not like if you asked Mike, he'd be like, yeah, Ben's my boy. He'd be like, yeah, I know him. He's like, so I reached out and he's like, can, can I meet with you? And then Jordan's like, meet me at the golf course. And they set the whole scene and he basically explains what the movie's going to be. And Ben's just also really clear about like the dynamics. And he's like, listen, this isn't a movie about Michael Jordan. If it was, they'd have to back up the Brinks truck for Michael. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's not mm -hmm. that. And the Chris Tucker in the movie, uh, the Chris Tucker character in the movie wasn't in the original script, but MJ was like, there's this guy that was involved at that time that was super important. He needs to be in the movie. So they write him in. Yeah. Uh, they asked Ben, or uh, Ben asked Jordan, like, do you have any stories about like your dad? And then Ben, or Michael is like, it's my mom. And he just talked about his mom. And Ben's like, that's when I knew I had the movie. It's these guys pitching the mom. And then to Shane's point, Ben's like, who do you want to play her? But then Ben's like, and I immediately am like, oh, what the fuck? He's like, if he says somebody and we don't get them, he's going to think we ignored his suggestion and actors are really hard to get. Uh -huh. And then of course, Michael said, Viola Davis, that's the only person that's my mom. And then Ben had to go pitch Viola Davis. But the great thing about this interview, and I'd love to know your thoughts too, Shane, is just Ben walks you through everything and he doesn't talk like none of it is like, um, he doesn't simplify anything. It feels like it's a very thoughtful and in-depth sort of explanation of the machinations and how like this movie got made and what he wants to do with the company and sort of the trial and error, not wanting to direct movies for the James Gunn MCU, which is a very controversial statement. And it's just like, it was just open and honest and Jennifer Lopez and all of this shit. It was just like a really sprawling, I guess it was over two sessions, two, two interviews, but it's really good. What were your thoughts, Shane, when you read it? Just Ben does not sweat interviews at all. He just keeps going. <laughs> he's in favor. He's out of favor. <laughs> like he, his career is so fascinating. He has more mm -hmm. highs and lows than anyone I've ever seen in Hollywood history. And he can, he seems to have an amazing ability to bounce back through just being so honest about everything and who he mm -hmm. is and not being a phony at all. Like, I'm not sure if you listen to his interviews on Howard Stern at all, but he did one. Maybe it was a year ago. And he has this really raspy voice the whole time. And he's all like, he it's on video too. And he's kind of like fucked up. And like, it seems like he's hung over, but he's also saying he's sober. And, but he's just feels like, just like a shell of a man. And he doesn't care what he's saying. <laughs> it, it's very interesting uh, strategy. His publicist must be extremely cool or just very stressed out with the, having him as a client. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Last question of this pod. Yeah. Are you a Matt Damon guy or a Ben Affleck guy? Mike, let's start with you. Man, man. Well, it's kind of like Lennon and McCartney, man. You mm -hmm. know, if you talk to young Mike, I was a Matt Damon guy. Matt Damon came out of the gate. You know, he had the, he made the best movie choices. He sort of wasn't in the tabloids as much. He didn't feel as like aggressively arrogant or like frat bro as Ben did. So I was definitely like Matt. Oh, he did the talented Mr. Ripley. Like I was a Matt guy. But as I've gotten older and Ben has sort of revealed himself as like this sort of, 
amazing director and producer and actor. He feels more well-rounded as a creative than Matt. So I, I respect that. And then to everything we're just saying about this interview and sort of Ben's ability to just speak off the cuff, like in a very introspective and articulate and thoughtful and sort of like a, a way that you feel like you're kind of like, oh, I feel like I'm learning about this guy and also just kind of learning a bit about life through the lens of, you know, his experiences. So to answer your question, I'm a Ben guy through and through. But if you'd mm. asked me in my 20s, I would have been a Matt guy 100 percent. Yeah, Shane. Yeah, it's similar to Mike that you go on this weird roller coaster of flipping back and forth when you're young. It's like, who would I rather be? Who's better looking? <laughs> then, as the career went, Affleck had kind of a cooler career. But then you'd watch an interview with Affleck where, like, he was on some sports show where he was kind of hammered and being embarrassing and talking <laughs> like dissing Tom Brady or something. I was like, wow, that's humiliating him. And Matt Damon doesn't seem like he would do that, but there's something endearing about being a flawed person. So you go back and forth depending on how high or low Affleck is in the public <laughs> eye. Yeah, I don't know. Affleck's cooler right now. I'll say that. But it feels like Damon is a more comfortable, safer life. So maybe I'd rather be Damon. But definitely Affleck has done cooler shit in his career. It's tough. Yeah, I like it. I yeah, feel I like, like you're Affleck's, a Damon guy. No, I think the sensible part of me feels like a, the being a Damon guy is the answer because I think he's had like a pretty stable life and marriage, and he like lives. He doesn't live in L.A. I think he lives in Miami, which is kind of like he's away from the paparazzi, and he's really smart and really focused, and he'll he'll give good interviews too. But yeah, there's something about Ben. Like yeah, Argo was a really cool movie. You know, him like directing that and the whole yeah. story behind that was interesting. I feel like. If both guys got really in shape right now, Ben would be better looking. I think Ben is like aged, even though yeah. he has his like schlubby periods too when he's really the duck this is and donuts. What happens. This is what happens with cute because Matt Damon and Ben are both, mm. uh, you know, objectively handsome. They're movie stars, but Matt was always cute and cute yeah. doesn't age as well as handsome. And Ben yeah. was like, Ben seemed like he was 35 almost his whole life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. he's only going to age into a really good looking older Paul Newman type, whatever that, that thing is. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. But yeah. remember so the I, Raya I, video where he was like, hey, it's me, Ben Affleck. <laughs> you, you don't remember that, Mac? No. So He's had some rough patches. He was, uh, he was on Raya, and then a woman was like, I cannot believe I'm talking to Ben Affleck. This isn't him. So he sends her a video. It's like, hey, Ashley, it's me, Ben Affleck. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the most embarrassing cringe video. It's something I could see myself doing if I was a celebrity. And I just wanted to like jump out of my skin with secondhand embarrassment. At that moment, you do not want to be Ben Affleck. But no, like we're saying, he kind of fights through all this stuff. So, you know, there is an Ash, appeal. Though, just sent me a picture of his back tattoo. Maybe we should just leave it at that. Yeah, he's got everything going on. He's a guy who's like everything everywhere all at once. Like as a yeah. celebrity. Yeah, his commitment to the to the Dunkin' Donuts is also amazing. Like the, the, how, how much, yeah, they lean into. Well, that. you'll love. There's one one part of the interview which you'll love, where he talks about his mom. Basically, movie choices he made early in his career, where he was like, he talks about how he's like, my mom made thirty thousand dollars a year as a teacher in Boston. He's mm -hmm. like, so when when Matt and I we wrote Goodwill Hunting, essentially just to, it was a showcase, it was a demo reel to show we could act. So we got a movie made, and then obviously all went crazy. He's like, but when movies, we got movie, offered movies after that. He's like, I got offered $600,000 for Armageddon, which by the way, feels really Shocking. low, doesn't it? Yes. Crazy when I saw that. He's like, I got offered $600,000 for Armageddon. 
He's like, I took that because in my mind, I was like, it would take my mother, whatever the he number said of years. 20 was, salaries. Yeah. 20 mm-hmm. years of salaries to make this. I have to take it. So he sort of informed his choices of the mm-hmm. way he took movies or whatever. That's cool. But um, it was just so to your point about the Dunkin Donuts loyalty and the Boston in him. It feels like they're both still very much like working class kind of Boston guys or middle class Boston guys, you know, from who they were, you know, That's not cool. connected to Hollywood at all that sort of made this empire and I started this company. And I will definitely go see air in theaters um, for multiple reasons. But after reading that article, I'm like, oh, I kind of want to support this, uh, this company mm-hmm. and see if it can actually be sustainable going forward. And it's good timing for us in a way, because we have a sketch that's related to pitching Michael Jordan on his signature shoe. It's crazy. And people are going yeah. to think we did it inspired by this movie, but we came up with it beforehand. Yeah. Like for well before this movie was being made. So right here on this podcast, just so you know, that sketch was written years ago and shot over a year ago. Uh, but it's going to look like we're parodying the movie. So I'm very fascinated to see it. All right. Well, uh, that's a great, great episode. Dear listeners, let us know who you like more, Matt Damon or Ben Affleck. We'll do a poll. <laughs> see that. All right. We'll put the poll on the old uh, the Instagram there. Thank you so much, Nathan Nash. Thank you, Manager Ash. Uh, guys, that's it. That is all. That is our episode. What a great hang. Maybe the best. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.